Hello, my sermon title today is entitled Past, Present, and Future. To become a butterfly, a caterpillar first digests itself, though certain groups of cells survive, which help to turn the soupy state into eyes, wings, antennae, and other adult structures needed to become a butterfly. This miracle is called metamorphosis. My sermon prep led me to rediscover this magical, awe-inspiring, and honestly, the absurdity of metamorphosis, something I had not thought about uh, much since grade school. For people of my generation who went to public school, remember that in our science curriculum, they used this phenomenon to teach us and inspire us about the beauty of the natural world. I remember my teacher, Mrs. Greenwood, brought in a monarch chrysalid into the classroom. She had found it on the ground and put a little bit of glue just on the tip of it so she could put it on a leaf and hang it by the window. This was an exciting time in the classroom. I remember the energy as we, the students, waited in anticipation for the caterpillar to break out of the cocoon and become a butterfly. I remember my young brain trying to wrap my head around what was happening within that cocoon. But I had hope and I had the belief a butterfly would be there in the end. I still remember the day when finally cracks started to be seen in the cocoon and we started to see the head and then the wings of the butterfly as it slowly pushed itself out of the cocoon that bound it. We brought it then outside as it was drying its wings, and then eventually it flew away. The passages read today speak to me about the life cycles and transformations within all our lives. The ever-evolving cycle of life that moves between pain, death, rebirth, hope, and joy. Both these stories touch on these elements of life. The story of God granting Abraham and Sarah the ability to have a child does not, does not make sense without the knowledge of the past pain they experienced, which for them was barrenness. At this time in the biblical understanding, there was no afterlife. Your lineage was your legacy and your blessing for living a good life. The, the miracle does not really the miracle does not really have any significance without understanding the pain of their past. In the transfiguration story in the New Testament that we read, the author leans on Moses and Elijah to explain the significance of who Jesus is and what he will do. By the, uh, these biblical giants, by these biblical giants being present, illustrates that Jesus was indeed the Messiah came to save Israel, who had waited so long for a king who would provide deliverance from their enemies and oppressors. These figures demonstrate that Jesus really was not just there to fulfill or follow the law, like Moses and Elijah did, but to transform a law to something new and greater than what the prophets did, this transformation piece. Both stories speak to the need to understand or at least have an awareness of the past in order to understand uh, the miracles that were occurring in the stories. 
If Mrs. Greenwood had not explained to the class that a caterpillar wove the cocoon, we would not have understood why this lifeless green object had any significance. The history that the chrysalid was a living caterpillar gave us hope. This is why the past is so important in these stories, because it informs the present of what was happening. But that is only half the story. Both miracles, or what I will now describe as experiences with the divine, are meaningful because they orient us to the future. Sarah and Abraham were promised to not only have a child, but that their descendants would become kings and ultimately the Messiah in the end. The struggle they had in the the struggle they had in the past was leading to hope, and God foresaw that for them. In the Transfiguration story, Jesus foreshadows his impending death in the end. The presence of God, though divine in nature, in this story points to struggle and pain. Though as the reader, we also know that his death is only part of the story, and there's hope that comes after death in Jesus' story. So both stories uh, forces us as the reader to reflect on the cycle of life, where pain, death, rebirth, hope, and joy are all present. Is this not the beauty of Lent? Though yes, it is a time of mourning and grief, which we all know too well in our current situation. We know that after pain, sorrow, and the sacrifice in Lent, hope and the resurrection will come in the end. We are just in the waiting period. In my grade school classroom, I knew the lifeless cocoon had meaning because I knew the potential. I knew that all the classmates, uh, my classmates and myself were waiting in hope for the rebirth of the caterpillar into the butterfly. This year, uh, let us uh, let Lent be a grounding experience for uh, grounding experience for us, as we think about the pain, sacrifice, and sorrow around us and in these biblical stories. But during this Lenten period, let's lean into hope with the knowledge that the resurrection is close, and we are going to be ready to celebrate Easter together and in our own lives. Saying all this, and as we sit in the hope of the resurrection that is right around the corner, I also want to challenge you as the reader to read these stories slightly different. So put yourself in the story as a character rather than a detached reader who knows how the story ends or knows the cycle. Think of being Abram falling on his face in the presence of God or being one of the disciples who, who describe their experience as terrified or terrifying at the sight of the three figures on the mountain. How do you lean into hope in these cases when you are present in the story? Or even imagine yourself as the caterpillar in the story I talked about. You have this urge to weave this cocoon over yourself, and you don't really know why. If this isn't trusting a higher power or leaning into hope, I'm not sure what is. The Transfiguration passage took on new meaning for me when my friend, a Presbyterian minister, 
pointed out that the translation of transfigured, which is actually taken from the Matthew account of this story, is incorrect. And you should uh, read the Greek more as metamorphosized, or the Greek word as metamorphosized, literally changing at a fundamental level. So how did Jesus change in the story when he bursts into light? To be honest, I'm not sure, and that's, that's not what made me excited to hear this explanation. But his comment got me thinking about how the presence of God changed Abraham, from Abram to Abraham, but also changed Peter, James, and John in these stories. How does leaning into the presence of God change us all? I personally have never had God audibly speak to me. And if I am honest, I am pretty suspect of stories where people claim they heard God. And that's not always a good thing. I'm just being honest with you. But, but what would leaning into hope during this Lenten period mean for the spiritual experiences in all our lives or on a personal level? I personally like the imagery of thin places in our lives where God feels present with us. Sometimes it might be a comfortable or caring. Other times it might actually be terrifying like the t uh, disciples described. I know if I feel something audible uh, or if I hear something audible, I'm going to be terrified. Maybe I have to be more open to being transformed by God during this Lenten period. In my experience, and I'm going to generalize here, I apologize, us as Mennonites are not very good at sitting in our spiritual experiences, or even sharing them with one another. We mostly react as Peter did in the, in the Transfiguration story, and tried to build houses for our spiritual experiences, keeping busy with the Lord's work, so we don't have to sit in these moments and be present with God. So what, so what if we, what if we focus during our Lenten practice on experiences with God? What if we have faith that God will transform us by his spirit during this Lenten period? Just as the caterpillar trusts as they build the cocoon that something greater is going to happen. The, the caterpillar trusts in that higher power. So to conclude, I want to talk about two events in my life that I believe metamorphosized me by the Spirit of God. So the first is a time in, in my teenage life in high school when I read this book, The Irresistible Revolution by Shay Claiborne. During this time, I started taking my faith seriously and was having some more evangelicals or charismatic experiences, but they, they all weren't sitting exactly right with me and didn't feel like my spirituality. This book gave me the words and gave me the ideas to embrace my spirituality and my social ethics, allowing me to make a commitment to follow Christ. I believe starting this book and ending this book was a transformational experience that literally changed me at a fundamental level. And secondly, when I was thinking about this, I looked back to a time when I worked with the Working Center and I had a friend who would end up in St. Mary's Hospital consistently. 
because of infections he had caused by his addiction. These conversations we had in that hospital truly were sacred and divine. And that relationship, he has passed away now, but that relationship has deeply changed me and I believe has changed me for the rest of my life. That relationship was metamorphosizing me. And I believe I had the ability to be open and present with him during those times. So what are your stories of transformation or metamorphosizing in your life? And what will they be in the future? Abram was 99 years old when his name was changed to Abraham because of being present with God. By the grace of God, we will continue to reborn if we let the Spirit work. So the Greek word metamorphosized is only used a couple times in the New Testament. And one of them is Romans 12, verse 2. So I want to leave you uh, with these words for your Lenten journey. Do not let your minds be con confirm conformed by, uh, by this world, but transformed or metamorphosized by the renewing of your minds. Amen, and good luck on your Lenten journey.